Hey friends, welcome to my Saturday update video. Trust you're having a good day. Hey, in a moment, I wanna talk about something that kinda of sounds boring, but it actually isn't, about doctrine. About, is doctrine important? Do we need it? Is there a danger in it? Is it some dry, boring thing? What happens if we don't have doctrine? Um, <laughs> More about that in a moment. A few quick updates. Hey, if you're new to my YouTube channel, I uh, want to hit the subscribe button down there. Check out the links below. Our daily podcast. Lots of great things there. Weekly email newsletter. Uh, the churches I lead, currently lead three churches in New England, looking at planting another uh, itinerant ministry. All of those good things. Details below, including my ministry school. Uh, let me just mention something with my ministry school from uh, the end of December, beginning of January. I'm starting a new, a new kind of program there where I'm going to put all of the teachings I've done over the last few years. That's about 300 kind of long form audio and video teachings out there. We're going to do kind of a monthly subscription model with a live Zoom training um, on a Saturday. So details about that soon. Sign up for our email and you'll find out about that. Good. Um, come on, what do you think of doctrine? Let me ask you that. Um, in some sense, I could probably imagine some people going, great, Graham, doctrine, I don't want to know, switch off. Or if you're a pastor, and a lot of my friends are pastors in ministry, they're going to go, doctrine, really important. Um, I, I actually think it is important that we have, we understand what doctrine is. I think it's also important that we understand what doctrine does. I think it's important that we understand um, the benefits of doctrine and the dangers of doctrine. Let me read a quick passage here, 1 Timothy 4.13. Paul's writing to Timothy, surprise, surprise, and he says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And then he says, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Now, I think this is true for all of us at whatever age, but especially if you're a younger believer, give attention to reading, to exhorting, encouraging, really like the prophetic, and to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift of God that is in you, that was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. And in verse 16, he says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Wow. I, man, I, I get... Excuse my Britishness, but I get high just reading that. That, that is glorious, and there's so much in there. Let me unpack that for you really quickly. Um, wow. What is doctrine? Well, I think what, what you've got to do is figure it this way. Firstly, we have God's Word. God's Word is given by inspiration. It's revealed. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit, 2 Peter 1 says. So we've got God's word, which is completely inspired. Now, my British translation, the New King James or your ESV or your NIV, especially the NIV, you know, your, your passion translation, mirror translation, amplified, those aren't inspired. Those are translations of an inspired word. But if we were to read today the actual Greek and Hebrew, the original, we could say this is absolutely revelation. This is God speaking to us. So look at it in, in one sense this way. There is number one, revelation that comes from God, the word of God. 
Okay, what is doctrine? Doctrine is not exactly Bible or Revelation. Doctrine are our crystallized understandings of what Revelation is saying, and what it teaches, and what it actually means. So I read the Bible, and then in one sense it's good we do this individually, but there's a lot of danger in that as well. What I should be doing is being informed by the wider body of Christ that's on the earth today, but actually for the last 2,000 years, about what this actually means and how that applies. So if you will, doctrine is like an explanation or a our like I say, a crystallized understanding of what scripture is saying. I think what we also then try to do in doctrine is to have doctrine that is systematic, that fits together. So that when we're reading, say, the book of Romans, we can come and look and say, well, we believe this, we believe this, we believe this. But the other things we believe have to fit in and systematize and actually correspond with uh, some of the other things we are believing. Hi, Dylan. So, is doctrine important? Well, again, just don't check out me halfway through what I'm saying. In one sense, doctrine isn't important. That I believe anybody who comes to God with a sincere heart and cries out to him, even on the little bit of revelation they've got, um, God will, God's not going to look at them and go, you, your doctrinal ducts were not all in a row. God's not going to say, well, you said the wrong word. You used the wrong language, so I'm going to reject you. I don't believe, if you're taking notes, write this down. God will not reject us because of bad doctrine. Here's the danger, though. Bad doctrine can cause us to reject God. So no matter what goofy ideas I've got, if I come to the Lord truly in repentance with a contrite heart and call on the name of Jesus, he's going to accept me. But if I begin to have ideas, if I've been taught things which are doctrinally incorrect, if I'm taught doctrinally that I don't need to repent, that God's quite happy with my sin and all, that God celebrates my sinfulness, theoretically speaking, um, then my actual doctrine affects how I live and what I do. And bad doctrine can cause you to reject God. I think as well, what doctrine will do, and again, you've got to realize this, Paul's writing to a young man he's mentoring, he's writing to somebody he's teaching, but he's also writing to somebody he'll teach others. Paul says to the same Timothy, the things I taught you, teach them to faithful men, who'll teach them to faithful men. That's four generations in one verse. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, who'll teach faithful men. And in a way, Paul is saying that we want, I want what you pass along to be faithful. I want what you pass along to be true. I want what you pass along to be not distorted over time. There was a guy I knew briefly at the end of his life called Judson Cornwall, really great guy, I wrote a lot of books on worship. And um, I remember him telling me a story once about, I think he used to pastor a church, I wanna say in Texas, but I could be wrong there. And, uh, and he, he talks about a time where some of the, the guys, the brethren in the church were going to build an extension or some building in the church. And, you know, they'd all gathered on a Saturday with their work clothes on. And he was the pastor. I mean, like me, he knew nothing about building. But like me, he wanted to be willing. So he came and said, how can I help? And all of these kind of working guys were looking, saying, what job can we give the pastor that he won't mess up? And in the end, somebody said, Pastor, can you cut wood in a straight line? And he said, yes, I can. I can cut wood really well. So they said, great. There were 20 planks of wood there. They said, hey, we want you to cut these planks of wood, you know, well, let's say six feet each. I'm just inventing this. 
And you know, this passage that he measured exactly six feet through a little line, cut it perfectly, measured it again. He was so proud of what he'd done. And then he laid the piece he cut on top of the second piece he was gonna cut and drew a line and cut that one. And then he laid piece number two on top of piece number three and drew a line. Now, you probably know where I'm going with this and so did all the guys in his church. The problem was by the time he got to piece number 10 or 12 or 15, he kept adding or maybe subtracting. Every generation things distorted a little bit. So it's really important that we, we read God's word, we encounter God, and yet that what we believe about him, we think that through. And it's not, if somebody were to come to me and say, Graham, I don't believe in the Trinity. Like, am I born again? I would say, yes, you can be born again, but that's really, really dangerous. It's not so much to me dangerous, you may not believe in the word. Somebody says the word Trinity isn't biblical. Yeah, sure, but the concept is, what it represents is biblical. Again, it's so important that we are not distorting the faith as we go along. Now, there's so much more I could say about this. I, it took me a while to realize this, and I'm, most of my colleagues in ministry, I don't think, have realized this, but I, I think in a way the church started with very little doctrine. And, you know, obviously God uses people, primarily Paul, but others, but actually even ourselves. I think there are things today that we still need to crystallize in our doctrine, that they're in the Bible, that they're in Revelation. I'll give you an example. Like a, a hundred years ago, people began getting filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And frankly, the church hadn't really, I think odd people, not odd people, but the occasionally through history, people had had that experience. But it's like that experience became normative in a part of the church. And people, and possibly we haven't still got that figured out today, needed to go and look at the experience and then look at scripture and say, how do we understand this experience of Holy Spirit? That's what Peter did on the day of Pentecost. Peter stands up and he looks at what God is doing, fire, sound of a mighty rushing wind, people drunk, people speaking in tongues, confusion, glory, whatever, he, all of these things going on. And then he opens his Bible, so to speak, to the book of Joel. And what does Peter do? He's, he's, it's like he stands in front of people holding up his experience and holding up his Bible. And he says, this that you see is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And what we need to do is to be a people of the this and of the that. We need to reconcile our experience. We need to submit our experience to the Bible. Come on, here's my last thought to you today, but it's a really great one. It's really important we don't worship doctrine. And it's possible to have all of your doctrinal ducks in a row and yet not know the person of whom the doctrine speaks. Jesus came to the Pharisee and he said, search the scriptures. You think you have eternal life because you have these scriptures. And yet he said, the very thing written in the scriptures is right in front of me. This is, these scriptures testify of me. And in a sense, doctrine is like the menu in a restaurant. It's good, it's organized, it shows us what's available. But the goal of doctrine isn't doctrine. The goal of doctrine is correct experience. Let me say that again. The goal of good doctrine isn't good doctrine. Good doctrine is not an end in itself. The goal of the menu isn't that you read the menu and go out hungry. The goal of the menu is that you eat a meal. And when we, if I have good soteriology, good doctrine 
on uh, God's plan of salvation, man's fall, Christ's redemption, that the goal, I can have good soteriological doctrine without being saved. Come on. I can have great doctrine on divine healing and be sick and die. I can have doctrine about the gifts of the Spirit, theoretically, but not have them flow in my church on a Sunday morning. So what we've got to do is put a demand on our doctrine to produce an experience. Sila. That's a really powerful thought. Let me give you one last, this is my post-thought, postscript. But uh, Paul says to Timothy, take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. Now, there are people who take heed to the doctrine and don't take heed to themselves as people. There are people who take heed to themselves but don't take heed to the doctrine. And they're aware of like, oh, what are the feeling and experiencing God, but they don't actually engage. We need to do both. Take heed to yourself, like as a minister, and we're all ministers, and then take heed to your doctrine. And then he says that both you and those who hear you will step into the full salvation of God. So our mission is to engage in good doctrine. Yes, amen. But it's actually to engage our hearts with our own walk with Jesus. Selah. Boom. Thanks for watching, guys. Uh, really important, might sound boring, but important message today. Again, do take a moment, check out all the links below. Lots of great things there. Hit that subscribe button, whatever platform you're on. I want to take a moment and share this because probably somebody needs to hear what we went through today. Uh, check out our churches in New England, in Sturbridge, Norwalk, Connecticut, and Otis, Mass. And we'd love to connect with you in person. Hey, let me say lastly, I'm setting up my travel um, itinerary for next year and I'm open to doing dates, uh, really kind of looking at my traveling thing in three areas, sort of out, out of the country dates. I plan to be in France, in the UK, in Ireland, also in the Caribbean. Um, dates here in New England where it's easy for me to drive to, but I'm also going to be doing some traveling further afield, California, Chicago, Florida and Texas this year. So if you're interested in setting up a meeting or two uh, or finding out more about that, drop me a line. Love to hear from you. Bye for now.